we're going to talk about creativity tonight. Think about the creativity involved in what you just heard. I mean, first of all, before anyone ever started actually writing music, someone had to create the idea of using wood maybe to make a, a sound box that would resonate in a certain way. Someone had to have the idea of, wow, there could be like 88 of these things and each one could be a little... I mean, the whole idea of inventing a scale of music, right? I mean, the creativity is staggering. And then someone actually created in their own mind that series of notes to create that level of beauty, the creativity that it could be somehow noted down and written in a way that, that years later people like Shelley and Gary could, could redo it. And then, and then the creativity really begins. Because you know what? Now, now no offense to my dear friends, but they have computers now that actually can play better than Shelley and better than Gary. And do you know why we don't use them? Because they don't sound as good. Now trust me on this one, they don't actually sound as good. They're technically better, and there is something of the creativity of the expression of music that a computer program simply cannot supply. So ultimate creativity, of course, then, in the revealing of the music through the, the nuances and characters of literally playing the, playing the instrument, not just, not just uh, uh, synthesizing it, but actually playing it, creating the music, interpreting it through their own hearts and their, and their own hands. This, this is creativity, and as we are going to discover tonight, we are all capable of it. But I'm getting ahead of myself, a little bit ahead of myself. If we're going to talk about creativity, we need to start at the beginning. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over these waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness night, and there was evening and there was morning, the first day. And then uh, Genesis 1 goes on to talk about uh, some of the marvelous creations of God. There was a vault between the waters to separate water from land. Uh, God made this vault and called it sky. Uh, God uh, uh, gathered the water under the sky and created land. God saw that that was good, let the land produce vegetables, seed-bearing plants and, and trees. And then there were animals. There were, uh, it just goes on. I mean, it's one, I would read the whole thing, but then I wouldn't have time to talk and, you know, how that goes. So, uh, and then finally on the seventh day, after this amazing act of creation, God rested. Now, for a lot of people, that seems to be the end of the creation story. And, and i got to tell you, one of the things or, or one of the ways that we're a little bit different is we don't think that God stopped. You know, for a lot of people, there's that idea that on the seventh day, God was done, kind of, you know, dusted off his hands. Uh, and, of course, it's the he that we're talking right? It's that... That, that white guy in the sky kind of God that went, okay, that's, that's good enough, and then removed God's self 
And then there's this picture of kind of that, a little bit of a judging God that sits on, I don't know, some kind of a, a cloud somewhere and kind of folds his arms and kind of like, well, what are you guys doing with that creation? Like, are you behaving yourselves? Are you, you know, entrusting yourselves well to all those animals I made and stuff like that, right? As though, as though creativity died on that seventh day. But you know what? Even in the Bible, it doesn't work that way. Genesis 2, God's right off again. It was only a rest. He only took a little nap, <laughs> right? And, and I'd like to also dispense with the whole he notion because I just don't, I don't buy that. I don't see God as that, that guy in the sky. I think uh, uh, God has feminine and masculine qualities. I think that, in fact, the act of creation, I think, if anything, is more as a feminine trait than a, than a masculine trait. And so, you know, I'd be more for, like for goddess power here. Uh, but, but, you know, I'm, 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 again, I'm a little bit ahead of myself and, and, uh, and beating up the, the Bible badly. Uh, so, so my point is, really... God still is creating. And it even has that in Genesis 2. Uh, then there's the Garden of Eden that gets created. The, the knowledge of good and evil gets created. On and on it goes, you know, through Moses creating, you know, floods. And, you know, it's complete creation. God never stopped creating. The seventh day was just a little nap. And then it goes on. Okay. Now, uh, now I'm going to give you a little bit of a pop quiz so if God is everything that exists in the universe, what did God create all that out of? All right, somebody said it. Ah, congratulations, you win $500. Uh, Shelly, will you take care of that later? <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. So, okay, may, maybe not, but that is, that is, I think, the right answer. If God is all there is, then God creates out of God's self. And so in that celestial big bang that created the universe, there was nothing before it. There was a universe after it. And so that act of creation was God spreading itself in that big bang to form everything that there is. And so then, then let's move forward. If God is still creating, if God never stopped and is still creating, what's God creating out of now? It's still God, right, right, just more of itself. So there's nothing that isn't part of God. Everything that is being created, that is still being created, is being created by God and out of God. Now, you might say, well, all right, so we're kind of wading into philosophical stuff here tonight. You know, let's move on to something a little bit more useful to me. Uh, and I would suggest that the reason that this is useful is my next question. So, if God is the big creator, then when someone writes a glorious piece of music like we heard tonight, or if someone does a, an amazing job of interpreting that music like we heard tonight, that act of creation, is it them or is it God? Yes. All right, yeah, okay, good. Everyone gets $500. <laughs> <laughs> It's both. Of course it is. And that, I think, is the key. If we only talk about one thing that's important tonight, I think, is to recognize that God is continually creating. And at least in the human realm, it does that creating through humans. 
And so whatever act of, back to our meditation a little while ago, I, I hope you were, you were kind of enjoying some of those, uh, those things and ways of being in relationships and, and, and ways of life that were in your mind, those, those wonderful acts of creation that perhaps you have brought about on the planet. That was God acting through you. And so when we say that whatever gets created now is created by both God and, and perhaps a, an architect or a musician or just a, a regular person who's a, a creating a, you know, their yard the way they want it or whatever it is, it's not just you. I mean, it is just you. And it's also God expressing God's creativity. Okay, now for a little bit of the bad news... Sometimes our creativity doesn't look so good, does it? Sometimes our creativity makes mistakes. Sometimes through our, our own in, uh, inexpert use of this law of creation, we can do rotten things, can't we? God didn't particularly limit us in our creative power. Sometimes we do things that are wonderful and uh, well, even in the realm of, uh, of music, I haven't quite gotten used to bar talk yet. I'm, I, mean, I mean, some of the classical pieces, I'm kind of going, this is hard to listen to, right? <laughs> so what I know about creativity is we also have freedom of will. We also have the ability to create what we choose, and that too is God working through us. Sometimes in miraculously wonderful ways, sometimes in ways that at least on the surface, as we're learning the ropes as we're learning to handle our creativity, not so much. All right, I have a joke for you. So a little girl asked her mother, how did the human race get started? Her mother answered, God made Adam and Eve, they had children, and so eventually all mankind was made. Well, two days later, the girl asked her father the same question. The father answered, well, centuries ago, there were ape-like creatures from which the human race slowly evolved over the millennia. Well, the girl was a little bit confused, and she returned to her mother the following day. Mom, how is it possible that you told me the human race was created by God, and Dad said they were evolved from apes? Without a pause, her mother answered, well, he's just talking about his side of the family. <laughs> and so this idea of creation is not either or. It's really both. There is creation and there is evolution. And I don't think that there's really a, a very good separation between the two because it's all an act of God acting through us, acting through the universe. So some things may seem like, a, like a, a wand gets waved, like, and there was light, right? Some things just seem like that, and it's done in an instant. Other things take a long time. Other things are more like evolution. It's not one or the other. The, the creative nature of us, the creative nature of God is both instantaneous sometimes. Sometimes instantaneously a whole song might pop into Gary's head almost, almost instantly and he's scrambling to write it all down. Sometimes, right? Am I right? Yeah. Well, okay. He's reluctantly nodding, but I think it's true. Uh, at least it's true for many people. And in fact, he might 
might have to hurry to just to get it all written down. Other times, our creativity takes a good while. We get the beginning of an idea and we begin adding to it. And sometimes over many months and many years, then that level of creativity, whether it be to, to come up with a, a new job or, or, or a new way that you want your living situation or whatever it is, comes into full force. And because it's God acting through you, everything, everything is possible. How used are you to the idea of being God's creative hands and force in the world? You see, I think here is a place where we could perhaps support each other with a little bit of effort. Because I think sometimes we get the idea that we're just about this big in the realms of the universe. And you know, that also is true and not true. I mean, if you look out at the night sky, if you look at the majesty of the whole universe, well, of course, sometimes that can make us look small. But we have the creative power that God has. And it is but for our own ability to say, let there be light and believe it that we could work such grand miracles in our own lives. So I'd like to uh, play devil's advocate for a minute. What if you were on that first day that God decided to create the heavens and earth? And, and you were kind of listening in. You were that fly on the wall, kind of listening to God's thoughts as God was thinking, well, light could kind of look bright and be this way, and the heavens might be kind of this way with stars in them, and the, and the ground should be substantial. So people, right? I, I mean, I'm just making it up, of course, and, 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 and anthropomorphizing like, like heck, but, but let's just imagine we're a fly on the wall. And I want to ask you, do you think God said something like, Gosh, I sure hope this whole thing works out. <laughs> what if the light is too bright? What if the earth is too hard? It doesn't sound like God, does it? God, I imagine, stood there or floated there or was there and just spread its being out in the Big Bang and said, let there be light. How often do we do that? You see, we are creators just like God. We have God's power. But what I observe more often is we're, we're trying to somehow fit into some little narrow scheme of what we think a human's creative powers would be. We're more like, well, I really hope that I can somehow create enough money to, to send my kids to college. You know, I really hope that I can... I can create my yard in a way that isn't too difficult to take care of. I really, I'm really hoping that we can create a, a nice uh, you know, party to celebrate my uh, grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, and I hope we don't spend too much, and, and I hope they'll like it, but I have some doubts. And That doesn't sound very much like a creator, does it? I would like us to support one another in being true, powerful creators. Now, what I know about this community, and certainly what I know about myself and many of my friends that come here on Wednesday nights, is that we are that powerful. 
And in community, we can kind of stick up for each other. We can kind of do that gentle reminders that friends can do when we are playing too small. Because I think that's the element that we're looking at here, is that very often we just think our creative abilities are too small. We don't dream big because why, and why do you think we also don't dream too big? So let's go back again one more time to the creation. Let's be the fly on the wall and watch God creating. Do you think God said something to God's self like, now there has to be uranium-232 in order for fission to take place in a certain way so that when stars coalesce, right, God didn't try to figure it all out. God said, let there be light. You can make the same proclamations in your own life without having to figure out exactly how it's going to happen. Because when you stand in confidence, when you stand like the creator that you are, with confidence in the knowledge of your power, it will happen. And you don't have to figure out where the money comes from. You don't have to figure out where the time will come from. You don't have to figure out all the ins and outs of how to get people to like you or to find resources for your project or whatever it is. You just claim it. You proclaim it. And when you do, from that place of confidence, of knowing that this law of creation, this law of life is effective, and we've all had tastes of it. Again, back to our, our brief meditation, right? There was confidence in you when you did those creative things. It wasn't there. Anytime we're successful in an act of creation, it was because there was confidence behind it. I knew I could fulfill that job so well. I, I knew that I could learn to play the piano so excellently. I knew there was a level of confidence in me that said, yes, I can do this thing, and we did it. That's all I'm asking. That's all we could be asking each other is, how do we ramp up our own confidence around our creative abilities. Because it isn't for lack of resources. God is infinite. It isn't for lack of intelligence, because God is everywhere. It isn't for lack of sort of gumption. Have you ever seen more gumption than God doing a big bang, right? <laughs> Creating the universe in, in like the instant? The only thing I think that's lacking is us trusting ourselves trusting our own faith in that creative power. So I'm going to tell you, uh, we're running out of time here, but I do want to tell you one more story because now and then I think an example helps. So I've been in ministry now, coming up on 10 years, and I want to tell you the story of how I got into ministry. So uh, my uh, uh, previous minister at Portland Center for Spiritual Living, Reverend Lynn Johnson, I had been a practitioner for a short period of time and she called me one day and she said, well, I want you to do the, the Sunday talk in a few weeks. And I said, no, of course. I mean, I had no training in doing the Sunday talk. And, and actually a little bit afraid of public, well, more, actually more than a little afraid of public speaking. And uh, it just wasn't for me. And I just turned it down flat. That's not for me. 
um, you know, I'm, I'm here to serve and I'll hold high watch and I'll do what I can, but I'm not speaking on Sunday. And a few months passed and uh, she called me into her office one day and she said, well, I made an appointment for you up in Seattle. Um, I, I hope you don't mind. Let me know if you need gas money or anything. You'll be meeting with the registrar at Holmes Institute uh, to see about ministerial school. And I, I'm not even going to repeat what I said, but it was all <laughs> along the lines of, you're crazy, what are you thinking? And she said, well, it's not an obligation. I think you ought to at least go and see uh, you know, what the program is. And so I drive up to Seattle, and of course I'm horribly nervous at like, how am I going to turn these people down nicely? And, and, and you know, my, my boss back at home, my minister, somehow thinks I can do what I can't do, and all this stuff. And, and I'm reading through the pamphlets, which they were kind enough to send me, and I'm going, to begin with, $30,000? $30,000 to become a minister through Holmes Institute? And I'm thinking... That's like my whole adjusted gross income for the year. This is not good. I mean, I was already stacking up all the reasons. I was already thinking myself, my creative power to be about this big. And I'm up there an hour early because I'm terrified. And when I'm terrified, I drive too fast. And, uh, and I get there so early that I think I'll go shopping at Ikea. Maybe shopping will calm me down. <laughs> that was before we had our own Ikea here in town, right? So I'm like, Ikea shopping, this could be fun. And so I'm into Ikea and I buy a few things and I'm checking out. And there was this amazing woman in the checkout sign. And she's, you know, blip, blip, the things go by. And she said, oh, she pointed to a, a couple pillar candles that I was buying, and she said, oh, are those for the church? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, no, those are, those are just for, for me. Why, why, why would you ask if those were for a church? And she looked me in the eye, and as she looked at me, it was as though somehow the entire store, the lights were dimming down, and a spotlight was shining down just on her and just on me. It was the weirdest thing. And she said, well, you're a minister, aren't you? And something clicked in me right then to say, let there be light. Something in that instant was triggered in me that turned aside all of my self-doubts, that turned aside all of my self-depreciation, that turned aside all the reasons why I couldn't do this. And I said, essentially to myself, let there be light. And there was light. Within two months, the money issues had been figured out. The, I was working full time, and, and how I, was I going to get off time to, to, to drive uh, down to uh, uh, California for the classes? And all of that worked out within a few short weeks because I claimed it, because I refused to make myself small. I simply said... This creative power is mine. I don't know how it will happen, but I know it will happen. So I have homework for you tonight. My homework is to investigate how you are making your lives small, needlessly 
small? What big dreams have you passed over? What opportunities have you said, I don't have the money for it, I don't have the time for it, I don't have the creativity for it? What options maybe have you ruled out, maybe many years ago even, because, well, I have kids to raise, I, I'm doing whatever I'm doing now, I'm going to give up on this other thing that's a big opportunity, but it's just not, you get where I'm going with this. So my suggestion for homework for this week is where have you created yourself, not in the image of God, but in a tiny little store-bought image of insignificance. And then it is time to say, let there be light. I'm going to close tonight with a quote from Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind. And I found this in his book called Love and Law. He said, spirit is in every living thing. It is in every soul, latent, simply waiting to be brought forth and come through the creative avenues that each of us express. It is to bring out these realities of life and happiness, creativity, health, love, and power. It is to supply these things that makes life worthwhile. Life is created through us, and we are manifested through God in order that the supreme spirit of all creativity, which feels itself to be full of lovingness, so that this may express itself fully. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one, one life and one goodness, one creative force. And I, I choose to call this, this thing God. And what I know about God, it created the heavens and the earth, and it still is. Through each one of us, through myself, through the joys and tears of this amazing life, God still creates. And so for each person in this room, for each person within the hearing of my voice, for each person on this planet, that creative power is accessible. We're creating every day. And the question is, shall we create as God creates? In majesty, in love, in greatness, in joy, in peace? Or shall we play small? For each person in this room, I would like to claim the greatness of God's creativity in its fullness so that the true joy of living is brought forward, the true love of life and relationships is brought forward, so that the peace that passes understanding comes forth, so that each one of us viscerally feels God working through us in our creative efforts for life, for joy, for peace, for equanimity. This is our power. I claim it now. Let there be light. And there will be light. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself, into that law that says yes, into that law that says, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Bless you all. Thank you.